Hello, and welcome to Our Heart for Teaching, where we explore the why in the teaching profession. I'm your host, Christy Everhart. Thank you for joining us today as we discuss that million-dollar question of what's your why in education? Well, welcome to another episode of Our Heart for Teaching. Tonight, I am joined by Mr. Joshua Stamper. Welcome, Josh, to the podcast. Christy, thank you so much for having me tonight. My pleasure. My pleasure. Well, Josh, could you go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners and let us know a little bit about your history and where you're serving in education now? Yeah. So like you said, I'm Joshua Stamper. I'm an assistant principal in the North Texas area and have been for the last nine years. I've gotten an opportunity to serve in multiple districts and four different campuses, all at the middle school level, and started off as an art teacher. So um, I'm going to go back for you, Christy. So in 2007, um, I had to make a a shift in what I was going to do with the rest of my life. At the time, I was a graphic designer, and the economy crashed. And so at the time, me and my wife were living in Minnesota, and the job market was just just abysmal. It, It didn't exist, really. So for teachers... I was going to have to teach halftime really was the only positions that were available up north. So my in-laws lived down in Texas and, and said, Hey, the economy is great. There's a ton of teaching jobs, you know, come down here and live in Texas. I didn't really at the time really want to do that, but I was like, you know what? We'll fly down for a weekend. If we get jobs, then um, we'll, we'll make the move thinking that that wouldn't occur. And sure enough, my wife and I both got jobs in that weekend. So, Yes. In one weekend. Yep. So, um, they were right. The, the economy was booming in Texas and so it was an easy choice for us. So, um, you know, we moved down here and we've been down here for uh, 14 years now. So, um, started off as an art teacher and a couple years into being an art teacher, I started to coach and I was coaching football, basketball and track. And the first year I was coaching, I went into the break room to get some coffee and my assistant principal, came in, tapped me on the shoulder and said, Hey, you're doing a lot of great things on the campus. Have you ever thought about administration? Now, granted, this was only my third year. So I laughed at him. I, I was thinking he was joking and he's like, no, I'm, I'm serious. I think you have the potential to go to the next level and and lead a building. And I was just in awe with that conversation. And so I went home and talked to Leslie, my wife, and was like, is this something that you think I could do? And of course she had my back and support. And a month later I was in the program for my master's degree. And so a couple of years later, um, thankfully I got to, to move up and, uh, become an assistant principal and have been doing that ever since. Did you become a, like a campus principal? I am not a campus principal yet. That's definitely <laughs> what I'm aspiring to be though. I think that's awesome. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Very my cool. pleasure. So this podcast is all centered about your why in education. And I know you said you started out in graphic design and then ended up as an art teacher. How did you start to develop what your why was in being a teacher in the first place? Great question. So being a student myself, I hated school. (laughs) So it's hard to say that as an educator now um, because I love it so much. But growing up, I was not successful sitting down for a long period of time. And, and, um, if I didn't 
find the, the subject to be of importance to me, then I just didn't try at all. And I'll be honest, I, I felt that way for many of my courses and subject matters. So um, I kind of coasted through my time as a student and really hated the most of it. And so um, because of that experience, I wanted to change that for kids. Um, I didn't, I had a couple of teachers I connected with, but for the most part, um, I just felt like it was a pretty miserable experience. And so thinking about my own kids and because um, my daughter was just born um, at that time of when I started to become a teacher and um, thinking like, what, what do I want kids in general to, to experience in middle school and high school? Um, specifically, um, how can I change that? So my teacher that was just the world to me, uh, Miss Lurch, she made a huge impact and she was my art teacher. And so um, the reason I went to college and, and pursued fine arts in general was because of her influence. And so I really wanted to emulate what she stood for, what she provided to students, um, the hope and um, inspiration that she provided some, like every single day, she was just amazing. So, um, that's definitely why I wanted to go into education. The second piece was coaching. I, I love sports. I, I was a soccer player for over 20 years. I had an opportunity to play in college. I was the captain of my soccer team and I just wanted to get back into that, that lifestyle. Also, I wanted to, you know, make a difference um, with kids in that, that sense. So education was kind of the, the easy pathway for me because, Again, I, I wanted to make a difference in, in kids' lives, and I wanted to kind of emulate the, the influence I had in my art teacher and, and my coaches. Can you talk to me a little bit about, you said your art teacher brought hope and inspiration every day. Can you elaborate a little bit on what what that was like and what she did specifically that provided that experience for you? Sure. So the hope piece was she knew I didn't enjoy school, and... Honestly, when I first started taking her classes, I, I did not provide a whole lot of effort. I enjoyed art immensely, and that was one of the reasons I even went to school was for art and for, for sports. Um, but she really was great about building relationships with kids, but then also keeping students accountable. So for myself, she just never gave up on me, even when I probably gave her every right to she really challenged me every single day to, to provide my best. And she spoke into my life as far as what my abilities were, what she envisioned and knew I could provide not only in her class, but in other classes. And she even put me in, in an advanced class my senior year um, to get college credit in art when, honestly, I probably didn't deserve to, to be there in the first place. So um, obviously, I rose to that challenge, but I, I wouldn't have gotten that opportunity without her guidance and, and her um, allowing me to be in that course. So um, she was just amazing with kids. Uh, there were a lot of times, and I, I can remember specifically one day where, you know, the class was a, a freshman class. Um, there were some sophomores in there. Um, I was a sophomore at the time and the kids were just giving her a really tough time. They didn't want to be there. And she was just so graceful with them. And she eventually got them to do the task at hand and I just remember sitting there looking at her and just wondering, like, why are you doing this every day? <laughs> like these these kids obviously don't care, but she was just amazing with them. And um, yeah, I just I thought she was just a fantastic teacher. That's awesome. I love that. Her belief in you then she believed things in you that you didn't quite see for yourself. Oh, for sure. 
Yeah, I miss Lurch and my mom. I mean, <laughs> those are the two people that probably, um, you know, push me the most to say that, you know, you have way more ability than you're showing and never gave up, never gave up. And, um, you know, when I graduated from college, I, um, I don't know if my mom will listen to this, I'll, I'll send it to her. But, you know, she, when I hugged her, I said, we did it, you know, because I felt like she was just as important in this journey as I was. And, um, you know, she was a huge inspiration in, in getting me there and um, her work ethic. And um, yeah, I, I think Miss Lurch was the same. I I wouldn't be here talking with you today um, without her, for sure. I think that's awesome. Thank you for sharing. Mm -hmm. So you shared your positive interactions with your art teacher and with your mom, who also helped you on this journey. Were all of your interactions, I know you shared that you just really hated school and I appreciate that honesty like I love that especially because there's a ton of teachers who you know we loved every aspect of it and it was all sunshine and rainbows <laughs> we loved it too, honest and like nope I did not like school so were did you also were I guess were all of your interactions positive did you have some that were negative that you're like I'm just not gonna I'm not gonna be you if I'm gonna be an educator Oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> so probably more of those. Um, I, I didn't share this earlier, but I, I just wrote a book. It came out in September, aspire to lead. And, and I did write the story in the book because you know, the intro to it, I just wanted to be very transparent about like where my background was and to let folks know that, you know, I didn't enjoy school And one of the pieces, right. We have people that speak hope into our lives and then we have others that, that, push us down. And so I, my guidance counselor of all folks, um, was one that really was, um, someone that did not believe in me. Um, and on multiple occasions, um, verbally told me that, and I can specifically remember to this day, it's something that drives me. Um, even as a 41 year old, um, it drives me to, to be better every single day, which is, um, he brought me into his office and asked, Hey, have you ever thought about going to college? This was, um, the beginning of my senior year. At the time, I kind of was like, yeah, why not? Sure, I'll go to college. And he, of course, had my grades, put it on the table and pointed out to me that my grades were extremely low and and said, well, then what college do you want to go to? At the time uh, that summer, I went and visited Bethel College, which is a small private Christian college in um, St. Paul, Minnesota, and absolutely loved the campus. So I told him that's where I wanted to go. And he laughed and was like, well, how would you possibly get into that school? You know, your grades are absolutely terrible. Um, and I was like, well, I enjoy it. And, you know, I'll, I'll apply and try and get in. And he was very stern in saying, no, you won't get into that college. In fact, you won't get in any college, including community college. And I walked away um, from that conversation because I was so upset. And in fact, was what drove me to that senior year to really buckle down and to get the best grades I had ever gotten in high school and pretty much was the saving grace as to how I got into Bethel. Um, I applied, I did not get in. <laughs> I applied the second mm -hmm. time, did not get in. And the third time, um, I got a letter saying that I could appeal and come in in front of uh, a group of, um, Bethel university colleagues. And so I did, it was a panel and they grilled me about, you know, why I wanted to go to Bethel university and, um, why I should get into their um, establishment. And so obviously the meeting went well because I was accepted. Um, mm -hmm. It was August. And so it was a very late 
um, admission, um, but I got in and I stayed in, graduated in four years. And like I said, uh, got to participate in um, soccer and, and um, got my degree. So, you know, that, that person, like I said, uh, my guidance counselor was someone that I never wanted to be like in education. And I feel like, unfortunately, there's probably a lot of versions of, of him um, still to this day. Yeah, and that's the part that I I don't really understand in educators because to me, you know, one, we have the most awesome job no matter where we're at in education, but we really get to help shape the future, mm-hmm. you know, and yep. our dreams are the most powerful thing, I feel like, because, you know, when you're passionate about what you do, like, I mean, that's where you get to really start making world changing decisions, you know, because you love it. And that passion and joy is contagious. And likewise, if you hate what you're doing, then, you know, it just rubs off. Attitude rubs off. So I I never understood that I had, you know, I've shared on other episodes that I had a teacher who did that as well. And just like you, I was like, well, I'll show you. And (laughs) like, so I get that, you know, there are those of us who are determined and we turn around such a horrible negative into a positive and then it becomes a good thing. Mm -hmm. But wouldn't it be so much easier if we just had uh, the positive ones who encourage us and, you know, like, okay, cool. That's a big dream and it's going to be challenging, but let's go. Yeah. Um, so thank you for sharing that. And I, I hope other educators listening are also taking that to heart of like, we really do make a, a difference. And, and it, yes. Uh, yeah. Hopefully. The way that we communicate is something that impacts our students, not only on that day, but they take it with them 20 years later. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And I remember it just as vividly as it were yesterday, you know, Mm -hmm. so couldn't agree more. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that. So Josh, as you've, um, you started out as an art teacher and you've had your experiences and then you, you got challenged to become an administrator, which I think is awesome. And and you're so brave for doing that because I, tell people nope not leaving the classroom <laughs> um, but I love it because we need you know great administrators as well and I know that just from interacting with administration like that's just a whole different world in itself yes. so has your why changed as you've you know gained more experience and especially as you've entered into administration and leadership how, how has your why changed I don't know if my why has changed. It just looks different. You know, before I was impacting 150 students or 120 to 150, depending on my you know classes. But um, now I'm impacting thousands. So I think that's the difference, right? So um, I think it's just a grander scale. Obviously, I want kids running into my building, not running out. And so you know, every interaction that I have with my kids, you know, my students is hopefully a positive one, even though you know, a lot of my job is student discipline. I can still have a positive interaction with them and let them understand that I'm there for their well-being to make them, you know, a better young adult and hopefully a better adult, someone who can survive in our society. And, you know, it's about teaching. It's not about punishing. So, you know, building those relationships with my students and making sure that they understand that I care for them and that I want them there in the building and um, that I'm there for their well-being. So I don't think my wife's changed. It just looks a little bit different as far as my impact. Nice. And do you do a lot of the same with your teachers that you get to work with as well? 
In what manner? I'm sorry. Um, I guess is you do you have like as you're teaching them and you're mentoring like these young students, do you find that you get to interact with your teachers a lot and guide them like you had your administrator come up and encourage you toward leadership? Or do you yes, for sure? This? No, that's one of my favorite things to do as far as mentorship. Yeah. Um, I had an amazing mentor in my leadership journey as far as when I was an art teacher. I had a assistant principal, Sandra Pegram, and she's just one of the best leaders I've ever had an opportunity to, to work around. And she came in a year after that conversation um, that I shared with you as far as the teacher lounge. When she came in, I was a little worried because, of course, new administrator, I didn't know what to expect. But with her was, hey, come into my office anytime. I'll give you the experience that you need. And it wasn't lip service. She really meant it. And I took advantage of it. So every every morning, <laughs> off period, lunch, after school, didn't matter if I had an, an open time, I came to her office to figure out, you know, is there something I can deserve, something I can take over? Um, what experience could I get? So, you know, it's one of those things for me now, I, I get to do the same thing. I want to emulate what she was doing for me as far as um, having my door open. So I definitely mentor um, other aspiring leaders. Um, that's honestly why I created a podcast myself, why I wrote the book, you know, was to help mentor, you know, other people that may not have an opportunity to have someone, a building leader that can guide them, you know, through that hardship of, of learning, you know, how to lead other people. Nice. I love that. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So one of our challenges in the education world right now, um, besides, you know, living through and trying to figure out education within a pandemic, um, which has just added it. Education was challenging even before then. Yeah. And it's very easy for educators and students to get very, very overwhelmed. Educators, especially with all the increasing demands. And I, I know that in administration, y'all feel that pressure because it's, you know, it's all coming down from above of you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. And it just gets so easy to get overwhelmed. What are some ways that in that, in those times where you feel overwhelmed and you're just challenged and there's so much and not enough time, how do you get reconnected with your purpose and your why? That's a good question. So as an administrator, you have to understand that you're not going to get everything done. And I think you need to own that and accept it because I know a lot of people get into administration and they're used to building a checklist and getting all those things accomplished within their um, school day. And um, now I know teachers bring home a lot of work, so don't get me wrong um, in me saying that. I, I remember doing that plenty, but um, as far as administration goes, it's, it's probably even more difficult to um, get those tasks done because you're constantly getting in interrupted. Um, well, you know, if, if you have a radio attached to you, you're getting called throughout the day to, to go put out fires. And so um, <laughs> I know it can, can get frustrating um, with that of trying to find enough time to, to get those many, many tasks um, completed. And you're right. The, um, you know, just as a whole after the pandemic, you know, the whole learning loss, whatever you want to believe in that, you know, the state legislation of course is, does believe in that term. And um right is really mandating a lot of things from, from 
administrators, which then trickles down to the teachers. So as far as my why, I think, you know, it's, it's always important to have things around you that remind you of that. So, um, for instance, I have a quote that's on my board. I have a whiteboard in my office and I physically wrote it on there and it has been there, you know, as, as long as I've had the quote in my head, which is from Nelson Mandela, Nelson Mandela, which is, I, I never lose I either win or I learn. And that's kind of like the mindset that I want to have not only for myself, but for my staff and for my students. And I often use that in conversations with them because I think a lot of times we feel like we're in a profession where we lose a lot. Um, we lose time, we lose an opportunity to make a difference. We are mandated to do certain things that we don't believe in, or it's a part, not a part of our core values. And what I always try and let people understand is like, and I know this term gets overused, but that growth mindset piece, right? Um, a lot of times we just need to understand that if we fail, if we're having a tough time, it's a learning experience. It's not about losing and we're growing and we're trying to get better. And then there's other days where, you know, maybe it's a student coming back to tell you how great they've you know done in high school or they're graduating and they're going to college or Maybe it's just a thing where you get a note saying, hey, I appreciate you for smiling every time you walk past me. You know, those days are those are the wins. Right. So, yeah. you know, just trying to find opportunities to have things around you just to remember, you know, why you're there, what your values are, but understanding that you're not there to to lose or to win. It's about learning. I love that. And that growth mindset is so key mm -hmm. because in my opinion, like I tell people frequently, it's like, if I stop reflecting, if I stop growing and I stop learning, then I've reached my end. Like yep. I have no purpose anymore. And, you know, and to me, you know, as frustrating as, um, failing can be, you know, what did I learn from that? What did I get from that? Okay. How can I be better, you know, tomorrow and moving into that and, showing that to the kiddos is equally important because bless those little middle school hearts that I work with <laughs> come in and they're like, if I don't do it perfectly, they're so scared to try. And it's yeah. like, dude, just try. It's okay. Like we grow together and yeah. So I love the growth mindset and I think it's hard to teach, but it's one of the most valuable things we can provide with our students and, you know, educators, like it's just so important. So I love that. Very much so. But I think it goes with the safety educated. piece, right? I mean, they, they need to feel safe as far as middle schoolers, but also educators, they need to feel safe to understand that that's acceptable because in most educational standards, that's, that's not, you know, the structure in, that we work in and the structure of schools punish failure. So, you know, what are we doing as a campus? What are we doing as a district to allow that failure to occur so that true learning can happen? Oh, and that's a hard one. That's like a can of worms hard one. Yes, I actually had a conversation with my supervisor yesterday and she's like, why are you so scared? And I'm like, well, because the first 10 years that I was here, it was a really rough experience where, mm -hmm. you know, we weren't treated where it was okay to, you know, mess up and, yep. you know, um, and thankfully our district is really doing a great job on the leadership especially this year like it's just been an amazing shift like i'm like wow like finally <laughs> like they finally 
I've always been made fun of with how reflective I am. And like, they say, oh, well, you just like the touchy feely stuff. And I'm like, no, but I like to be able to think about stuff and whatever. And this year it's like, we're going to do the, you think about stuff. And I'm like, yes, finally, <laughs> like That's 14 awesome. years. In. It's amazing. Yeah. So I love that. And, and thank you for being honest, because I think that that's something that we don't talk about enough in education, but it's true. We need to know it's okay to fail and be honest about it. And just, it, I mean, not if you stay there, obviously, but you know, yeah. taking it to grow. Yeah. And I'll go a step further with that, Katie, is that like you said previously, most educators have found success. They work in an environment that they enjoyed, right? So majority of educators and teachers, they, they enjoyed school. They were successful in it. And so when there is some failure, a lot of times that's just not acceptable. And there's a lot of, um, they think it's, it represents themselves as a, as a person, as an educator. And that's not, that's not the point, right? We fail and we try because we want to, um, find a, a better outcome, a better process, a better solution, right? So um, failure, a lot of times, I don't know about you, but for myself, when I fail, I actually learn quite a bit more than when I succeed. If I succeed, I just move on, right? But if I fail, mm -hmm. then I really hunker down, I reflect on, well, why, why did I not see success in that? And what can I do to better myself, you know, in the future? So I think just as a whole, in education, I just think failure is, is looked down on because they, it, feels like a self-reflection of ourselves. I agree. And yeah, that's one I think we'll have to keep working on. And I do think though, the more years go by, like we're making progress in the right direction. Oh definitely. my goodness. Yeah. yeah. And like you said, with your district, you know, you're already seeing those. Um, and I think the pandemic helped with that, right? I know a lot of times we talk about the pan pandemic as something that's horrible, which there's of course a lot of aspects of that. That's true. But in education, I think there's a lot of things that un were uncovered um, with like the equity piece, technology, um, you know, as far as how leadership mandates and, you know, things and rules that were in place that really were just there for traditional purposes, not because it was the best thing. And so I think it's Ooh. uncovered a lot of things. And, um, you know, there's been some really wonderful changes that have been made that I think is going to make things only better. Um but that wouldn't have happened without the pandemic. So, you know, I think there is a silver lining with what occurred the last couple of years. Definitely, definitely, definitely. And I think that, yeah, that silver lining, trying to find the good within even the most horrible of situations mm -hmm. help. It's a mind shift. Well, Josh, what is something that, cause you have definitely been evolving as an educator and I've referred to this a couple of times, but you keep pushing yourself to do more and more and more um, from starting out as a teacher to going to administration to now being an author and a podcast host. What are some of the things that are really inspiring you to keep pushing yourself towards greatness and to continue to get better and better and better in the profession? Sure. I just, I don't like being stagnant. So I like to... I like to push myself, you know, as far as the book goes, I don't like to write, <laughs> but I, you know, I wrote a book. Um, and the reason for that was because it was a challenge. It was something that I wanted to do because at, at one point in my educational career, I thought I was a terrible writer. Uh, my English teacher essentially said that to me. So, you know, I it was one of those things where I wanted to prove that wrong. And I, you know, those stories I was telling before of like, 
trying to accomplish things was to prove myself wrong, to prove others wrong, and at least show myself that there is no limit, right? So, you know, I don't know what the future will hold, but I know that I'm going to try and do my very best at it and try new things. So um, if if you would have told my younger self that I would be an assistant principal, an author, and a podcaster, I would have laughed at you. One, because the podcast, I wouldn't even know what that is, but um, <laughs> but those are things like no way on earth that that just wouldn't have happened. Um, so I, I do think of my journey as evolving. I think as a person, you know, there's there's people that are put in your lives to to challenge you and to make you better. And so, you know, of course, my wife is is one of those folks. Um, but like my mentor, you know, the teacher, my art teacher, um, you know, other administrators um, in my life and, and my PLN, you know, have, have really challenged me to, to do, do other things and to be great in that. So um, it's just one of those mindsets like we talked about before, right? So I just, I don't want to quit. I just, I don't want to be in a position for a long period of time and just say like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good at this. So it's safe and I'm going to continue to do that. No, you know, I want to try something different to, to learn it and to, to be pushed. And, you know, I, I just, I guess I'm comfortable with the uncomfortable. Nice. And Josh, what advice would you give to others who are listening to the podcast, no matter whether they're a seasoned veteran, whether they're struggling whether they're just kind of in the okay this is just my routine like no matter where the educators are what advice would you give them today yeah i think the growth piece right like we we should consistently try to grow wherever we are and there's nothing wrong with being a teacher for 20 years or you know if that's if that's what you love and that's what you're passionate about that's great but at the same time you can still grow even though you're in the same position so you know who is who is in your corner to push back, right? I know a lot of times, especially administrators, we like to build teams where we're we have like-minded folks um, with us, but sometimes that just creates mediocrity. So, you know, who on the team can, you know, challenge your ideas or push back on, um, you know, a decision that you've made um, that you may not have reflected on. And I think there's people that you need to have in your life to to get you to that next level, right? So that you're trying new things that you're not just comfortable in the situation that you're at. And if that's a mentor, or if that's just a, a person that's um, a team member, or maybe it's someone that's online, you know, um, there's plenty of folks I have part of my professional learning network that I've never met them before. But you know, they're my support system. And, and I do throw stuff at them that they do challenge me back with. So um, I just think, you know, the more that you can have of those folks in your life, the better you're going to be in your, in your craft. You mean we don't always have to have people who agree with us? <laughs> no, absolutely <laughs> not. I love that. I absolutely love that. And that's funny that you're like, yeah, put people in your corner who are going to challenge, challenge you. I mean, and I think when we have to fight for, you know, this is why I'm doing this. And we, we, a lot of times will see, Oh, but you do have a good point here. And that does, even though sometimes it's not so fun to have somebody disagreeing with us or giving that pushback at the same time, you know, when we let them challenge us, we find areas that we can improve and we can make better. So, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's definitely not a fun experience, but you know, once you go through it and you start to actually think about 
the whole, you know, all sides of the decision. I mean, a lot of times there is some truth in that and the truth hurts, especially when it's, you know, something that means that you were wrong. And so that's not fun, but I think at the same time, it's, it's definitely needed, especially if you're um, in education. Mm. And what do you do when you end up like, oh, I was not quite right in that. You own it. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think if you don't and you just try and push through it, then you're not authentic and people can see right through that. So as far as a leader goes, I mean, if you want to destroy your campus culture, I mean, just push forward with a decision without owning it and saying that you're wrong. I mean, that's, that's just going to destroy any, any legwork that you've had with your staff. So yeah, I I have definitely apologized for decisions made before. Hey, I'll fall on the sword if if I made a bad decision. Um, I will be the first to own it. So yeah, it sucks. It, it's not fun. Um, but I mean, that's what you do. Uh, you know, if you're if you're really trying to be a good leader, I mean, you just have to own what you, what you've done. And I think people respect that, and it makes you human, right? So. No one's perfect, and and most folks understand that, especially when you're building later. Um, but yeah, I, I, anyone listening, if you if you've made a mistake and someone's called you on it, you know, just the best thing is just to to own it, but let them understand that like you're going to do better and you're looking, you know, for the better solution in the future. So um, I think that's that's definitely the the route I've gone. Awesome, and I love that you're like you said what I was gonna say. We're human. And none of us are perfect. I don't think we'll ever hit that perfect point. No. But, you know, just acknowledging it. I mean, and I think, too, in my experiences, when I own up to, you know, when I mess up, whether it's to students or other teachers, and, yeah, it's sometimes, like you say, it just sucks. But the level of respect also goes up. For sure. You know, and then I think it challenges them. Oh, well, they can, you know. If, if this leader, if this adult can, you know, admit that they're wrong, then maybe I don't have to, you know, try to hide it and, you know, be mm-hmm. embarrassed. It. Like, I think we just help each other grow when we can do that. But it's hard. Yeah, it is hard. Yeah. And when they challenge you and you accept that challenge and, and you can accept, you know, the mistakes that you made or the failure, you know, that actually shows them and models to them what you expect when you challenge them. Right. So, um, yeah, I think it goes both ways in that sense that you're, you're building a culture that's allowing that teamwork, right. Um, to, to say, you know, we're in this together and like you said, we're, we're not perfect. So, um, you know, it's a safe space to challenge each other and understand that we're, we're all here for the same goal. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Well, Josh, you've given us so much wisdom and so many stories. And I love the just the administration perspective because it's always interesting to hear from, you know, that perspective, because I don't have that perspective outside of watching you guys. So um thank you for the stories that you're sharing and, and the wisdom and you know, just your journey and the fact that you're challenging us to just own it and be honest and be willing to grow. I think teachers are going to get a lot out of this and administrators too, as well, I hope. And just words are powerful. Like words are powerful. So 
I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. Did you have an educator that you would like to shout out or somebody in your life that you'd like to shout out who's just really helped you be who you are today and have the success that you're experiencing today? Yeah, I th hopefully I've shout out a couple of folks, you know, through my stories. But, um, you know, when I was just talking about people that challenge you and, you know, lift you up too, um, you know, someone I'd like to lift up is, is the person that wrote the forward to my book, which is Todd Nisloni. Um, he's an amazing administrator. He's now working for TEPSA, um, which is the Texas Elementary Principals Association. But um, he was the elementary principal in Nova Soda and still to this day. I mean, he's a really good friend and someone that challenges me daily and lifts me up. So um, he's amazing. If you're not connect with him on social media, make sure you do that. But Todd Nisloni is someone I'd love to shout out. Awesome. Yeah, Todd is awesome. And he just has a, such a great heart for educators as well and shares his wisdom. I love him. Like, I love following his story as well. And he's encouraged me. Like, he's part of the reason that, you know, I reached out to talk with you and start a podcast as well. Like, yeah, so great, 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 great person to follow on social media as well. So thank you for sharing that. Oh, my pleasure. Any Anytime and, I can lift him up, that's that's a great opportunity. Yeah, that's awesome. I love it. And um, Joshua, if they if our listeners would like to connect with you and talk with you more about how to be a great leader and how to maybe even get started on the leadership journey. I know I reached out to you earlier this year of like, OK, I want to do this and I don't know you know, and you were gracious and met with me and gave me some steps. And now here we are. That's exciting. But how can we <laughs> connect with you and get in touch with you if they would like support on their leadership journeys? Of course. So if you want to connect with me, you can do that on Twitter and Instagram at Joshua double underscore stamper. Definitely important with the double underscore. If you don't do that, then obviously it goes to someone else. Um, kind of tricky, but that's a good way to connect on social media. Otherwise, um, you can find you know, any content that I produce on joshstamper.com. Um, and then of course, like my podcast there, the book, all that kind of stuff, blogs. Um, and then also a lot of content that will lead you to the teach better team, which is teachbetter.com. And they have a, a, a million different resources on that website also, but um, I've got content there and um, I'm part of the teach better team also. So yeah, those are some good ways to connect with me. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. And I hope listeners do connect with you and because you have a lot that you've shared and um, I've gained a lot of wisdom from just listening to you and hearing your story over the last year or so since Todd's professional development that he had. So yeah, I definitely listeners encourage you to get connected with, with Joshua because he's got a lot of wisdom to share and his leadership journey is just awesome. And congratulations on your success and good luck on future successes as well. So thank you so much for sharing tonight and sharing your heart and education. I just appreciate it. Oh, true honor to be on the podcast, Christy. Thank you for the invite. Yes, sir. Anytime. Thank you. You have been listening to Our Heart for Teaching, where we explore our purpose and our why in the field of education. If you would like more information or to share your own purpose in education, be sure to connect with me on Twitter at A Heart for Teaching. I look forward to hearing from you soon, and please tune in to the next episode of Our Heart for Teaching.